All right. Are you done, like, <laughs> coughing up a lung? I think so. We'll see. <laughs> this. <laughs> oh, at least you didn't scream this time. This is how do you engineer your engineering? I can't even remember. I'm now all kerfuffled. Uh, your future tech podcast stuff. I'm Pete, and I'm wet again. <laughs> Okay. All right, Abby, who are you? Uh, I'm a host, Abby Desjardins. I'm a dry host, actually. Oh. I uh, wore a shirt, too. <laughs> Do you not normally wear a shirt? No, like a, like a buttony shirt. Oh, okay. Uh, a like nice a, shirt. Not like a t-shirt. Do you, do you want to take another swing at introducing yourself, or are we just no. going to roll with that? No. This is it. We're, All right. We do it live. Then I'm also a host, Simon Whitmel. And... Uh, we are being real pro today. I'm going to stop making noise in a minute. It'll be great. All right. So uh, almost every day at work, we sit around and talk about things that are exciting in technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just had a lot of conversation yesterday about home automation, actually. Yeah. It was interesting. Nice. So then we thought we could have one of those conversations and then record it, and it would be a podcast. Yep. By definition. Because we said so. Well, I guess you have to put it on the internet before it becomes a podcast. Is a podcast a podcast if it's not on the internet? If a tree falls in the forest and we record it, is it a podcast? Yeah. Yeah? It is? Not the tree thing. (laughs) That's just silly. All right. So anyway, we decided we were going to talk about... Pete wanted to talk about Star Trek, but then we decided we should aim... We're going to leave that for next episode. Next episode. This is going to be the first in a two-part series about the future. Yep. And uh, so this is the... The, the near future episode. Yeah, soon future. So we want to talk the about... soon future. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to the not-so-soon future. Exactly. The eventually future. What yeah. I was going to say at the beginning was the podcast of the future now. Oh, that, the, oh, the, oh that, that would have been, been awesome. So I know. Good. And then uh, I got covered in liquid beer. You, you, you'll have another chance. You can use that next week. All right. So this is the first, uh, let's summarize, because I was disjointed and I don't, <laughs> I don't even yeah. know what's happening. <laughs> so we're going to, this is going to be a podcast where we're going to talk about a few technologies that are coming in the near future mm-hmm. and what makes them possible, yeah. what, what engineering feats make them possible and why they're cool. Yeah. Yep. And then next week we're going to talk about, um, and you should tune in next week. It's going to be great. It's going to be way better than this tune week. Tune in. That's... <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about... Um, technology the of the distant future yeah mm-hmm. what we need to make that possible and why that will be cool and possibly like some technologies of the distant future that probably won't come around and why they would have been cool but why other things will be cooler mm-hmm. what's what's not going to come around well, like some things I, might be obsolete i don't know i did use the example of flying donkeys but yeah it's possible i don't know like flying cars we it's it's like the jetpack thing okay. everyone thought there was gonna be jetpacks we'll figure it out yeah I'm just saying, there's a reasonable chance there will be other things said. Yeah, but that's for next week. Next First yeah. off, week. we need to engineer something. So we decided that since we were going to go all super high-tech for the rest of the podcast, we'd go back to basics for our engineering problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we decided on shoes? Yep. yep. Shoes. Okay. High tops. Specifically or, high tops? Or not high tops. 
I don't know. Those are, it's, a, it's a very different engineering problem. Let's start with shoes and then we'll branch out. If, we're not talking about like, like nice like leather bespoke dress shoes where you're doing like yeah. cutting cow flesh and doing stuff with that, are we? Um, I guess you could, we but could. there's not a whole, like there, I guess there is a lot of engineering, but there's a lot of like craftsmanship there, but I think we're more interested in like mass producing shoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The shoes I'm wearing. Yeah. How are they made? Well, they look like a waffle sole. So, mm-hmm. cause that was how it started, right? There was the guy from, was it Nike? And he came up with vulcanization. Oh. Obviously. I, I vaguely remember a story about a guy with a waffle iron. And he had, like, vulcanized rubber, and he poured it onto a waffle iron, and then he stuck it to the bottom of a shoe. There's a great restaurant that I go to where they make bacon waffles. Mm. <laughs> and they put them on the bottom of shoes. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. It, uh, it's topical. It's, yeah, okay. Um, anyway, I think that's how, like, the modern shoe sole happened, was originally a guy had a waffle hmm. iron, and he poured some rubber onto it. Cool. That's so, one of those questions that come up a lot where you're sort of like, who, wh- why? Like, who, what gave you the idea that you should put rubber in your, well, waffle iron? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sure there's a story there, but I don't actually know the backstory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just an interesting thing. It is. Um, so, so then he stuck that to the bottom of the shoes. Yeah. Yep. So we need a bottom. We need a sole. Yeah. We've got to have some sole. And we're going to make it out of rubber? Does it have to be out of rubber? No. Well, it seems like the easiest material. Bamboo? Well, like, what do we want our shoes to be for? <laughs> it's always like, bamboo. <laughs> No, Pete. <laughs> like running really fast or casual everyday use wear, cases. Yeah. jumping. Oh like, man, ice, snow. Yeah. I'm gonna say all around use. Hmm. Multifunctional. I need shoes. all. I need all season shoes. Do all they have season, lights? Awesome. Do they have pumps? Oh, yeah, they definitely have to have lights. LA lights were the thing. LA gear. Yeah, whatever they were called. I don't know. The ones with the lights in them. Especially now that we got like cheap LEDs, all all oh, yeah. shoes should have, should have flashy lights in it, them. It's only safe. Yeah. Should they be implemented in adult shoes? Yes. I think. Yes. Would there be a way to do that like as a safety thing maybe? Because well, like, they're in kids' shoes for fun. I'd be willing to claim it was a safety thing if it meant I could have LED shoes. Yeah. They're not subtle. If you're walking around at night in like a neighborhood that you want to blend in. Like if you're going to go <laughs> rob a place or something? <laughs> well... <laughs> Or if you're just like, I don't know, out and about and trying to be like casual and subtle, your shoes blinking on and off is not the way to achieve that goal. Could we better the LED light shoe with like a a phone app or something? They need stealth mode. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or, okay, no. Okay. What if it's like under lighting? Like it's, it's not, doesn't blink the way they, but you have like under body lights before your shoes. (laughs) That could make sense. That would be cool. Walking cool. at night. You can use them as a flashlight. Yeah. Just hop around on one foot. And like, you need like, you know, in the old like spy movies and they had like the knife shoe, but instead yeah. it's, instead it has like bright forward facing lights so you can always see where you're going. Or you could use it as motivation. You know how on the the new Apple watches, they have the rings that you use to motivate yourself to exercise. Your shoes could like change color depending on how much you exercise. Oh. Like, people could be like, oh man, that guy's shoes are blue. He's been working hard. You could tie it to like Aww. Fitbit and it would tell you like whether you got how close you are to your like step goal yeah you show that off. would make my self-esteem plummet why wow. you stand all day i don't walk though but it's it's yeah it's putting uh because then you're putting it out like when it's on yeah. your fitbit and you only got like you have to tap it and it yeah. tells you with lights but it's not like broadcasting this person yeah. has had this many steps only i know so that it only I've shows up on goal. the shoes when you tap them on something yeah i think it's got to be app oh my God, like your heels together <laughs> in the air <laughs> unlock god mode <laughs> yeah, no. If you if if you jump up and you click your heels together, then the lights turn like gold, and you start to like hover. Oh my god! No, okay, that's that's we're we're, we're right. going out of the realm of. Like, so we normal. have a sole. Sole is made of a material that is a good one. 
and then we have lights. What yeah. else? I still think that like rubber is the best material for the soul. All I right. mean, the, most things that work... <laughs> rubber is the best material for the soul. <laughs> rubber, it's good for the soul. Um, so we got the soul, and then you got some like layers of foam inside because walking on cushions is nicer than not walking walking on cushions. That's true. So what about people who like the like the barefoot naked, shoes? Yeah, the barefoot shoes. I was going to say naked shoes. The barefoot shoes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure you could implement the like. LED underlighting with like minimalist soles that could be difficult. It'd be painful. Yeah, you'd be actually like walking on LEDs. That would not be so so nice. I'm sure they have flexible ones, like little rubbery ones or something. It's fine. Okay, don't worry about it. All right, we got it. Fine. So you can choose various thicknesses of rubber and or foam. Oh, like like make your own shoe. Oh, modular shoes where you make your own and you can like choose what you like want. Like snap them together. The bottoms, the tops, and how thick, and then just sort of get like. I was thinking of like assembled. That was build really a bear loud. workshop. Actually, yeah, that, shoes. yeah, exactly. That like automated, yeah. automated, make your own shoes. How cute would that be? Especially because okay, actually, you could do it with if you got um, like your uppers and your like the soles and the uppers and everything all have the like adhesive strips. Like on, you know, what you have those the envelopes that you don't need to lick. They have got a, like an adhesive strip you peel the cover off of. Yeah. So you do that, but you do it with the tops and the bottoms of your shoes, and you just sort of stick them together. There's actually I'd, a woman's shoe company that. Uh, makes heels with uh, varying like heel lengths or heights. Yeah. So you can like snap off your three inch and put on your one inch heel. Usually, when the, the heel same... comes off your shoe, it's a bad bad thing. Yeah, but this, but this one was is designed to, to be like that. How yeah. much cooler would it be if that was like like a standing desk that was a little button that you just like press on your phone? <laughs> and your phone just go like <laughs> hydraulics in your shoes. <laughs> okay, this is. Another, I really like this, this idea though. The whole like. Um, like modular, the modular. yeah like it's sort of like you know how with the most modern cars especially the electric cars they have the chassis like the main core of the car mm-hmm. and then you just put different tops on if you want a pickup truck you put a pickup truck body on it if you want a suv you put an suv body on it but it's the same core engine and, and you core pick- like chassis and transmission and everything it's like that you have like the core of your shoe that your foot's inside that is like molded to your foot and you have the sole that you like and the cushiness that you want and it fits perfectly and then you just put the rest of the shoes around it you put on your dress shoes around the, the inside you put on your casual go into the club and shoes you got your b-balling shoes b-balling <laughs> oh okay he is with it actually i like it because you could create some like hilarious combinations you'd be mm-hmm. like you got the giant like doc martin sole with like a strappy sandal upper that'd be hilarious Uh, um ali had a like knee high lace-up converse boots once that were pretty terrible we we thought they were cool and we bought them and then yeah we discovered that they're not does ali know this is your opinion of her knee high lace-up converses yeah (laughs) okay it was discussed all right they were they were heels i was hoping this wasn't like news Converse heels. Yes, yeah. knee-high lace-up Converse heel boots. That seems yeah, like a I've contradiction in terms. Those. Yeah, they were they were they're cool, and and then you have them, and they're less cool. Those were okay. super cool when I was like eleven. I'm wondering if the modular thing has to be reversible. Like you can then so that if you if you do that, if you're like you've got this like crazy upper, you could say, okay, that was a terrible idea, and take it apart and like reassemble it with something new. Hmm. Like if it's held together with magnets or something. I was thinking magnets, and then I decided magnets is probably not ideal. Um, I'm thinking more like those industrial Ziploc 
where you kind of like you run your hand around it and it would just sort of couple it together. Mm. Mm. Or, um, or what's the, uh, the, 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 the things you use to put hooks on the wall that are adhesive, but then you can pull on the tab and then adhesive comes apart. Mm. Like something like that. So we yeah. hold them together or like industrial Velcro. They're really, really super strong Velcro. Okay. So are the LEDs like an add-on or is that like a requirement? All yeah. Things one of the, the sole, one of the sole options is LEDs. I don't think everyone should have LEDs. Oh, okay. Well, all of my <laughs> shoes will have LEDs. That's fine. Actually, that's what's great about it. Then if you want to, you can be like, I want to have dress yeah. shoes that have LEDs. If you, want fitness, I want to have... if you want fitness tracking, you get fitness tracking as an option. They put a sensor in the heel if you want to have. Like, oh, man. Yeah. This is starting to come in, like turn into an actual <laughs> cool idea. This is like the first time we've done this. And actually been like, huh, I, that's not terrible. We're starting a company. <laughs> yeah. No, my guess is that we would run into technical difficulties as soon as we tried to we have no it. idea about shoes. If, yeah. so, if somebody we work with is listening, we're not starting a company. Yeah, really? <laughs> Um, no, I, it, it would, it would make a lot of sense, especially now that you got like companies that are like Vibram just makes pretty much just makes souls and they yeah. sell them to a bunch of other companies. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. other companies have like patented style designs for their, like mm-hmm. their style of shoes. So I was just, just watching like, together. I was just watching an episode of top gear and they were talking about old school coach builders mm-hmm. where you'd buy the car and the car was just, again, like the bottom of the car. Right. And you'd go to a coach Smith or a coach builder or whatever they were called a like coach place. Yeah. And they'd build the body around it and you could get a custom body, whatever you want, design, whatever look and feel you want. And they mm-hmm. just sort of build it up on top. It's yeah. Like, coach makers. Or yeah. Whatever. You could have like a whole industry of people that just make like neat um, designer tops that go on top of your favorite soul. Well, there's already Etsy. I think that's where that would go. Yeah. There'd be all kinds of crazy, like the most ridiculous artsy sh- like things you could get to stick onto the souls. We mm-hmm. could manufacture them in Korea. Why Korea? Because Korea's got soul. <laughs> <laughs> I win. <laughs> oh, I was waiting so long. <laughs> oh, I walked into that one. That was awesome. Okay. I thought you were just being a bad person. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. All right. On that note, I think that's either the high point or the low point. And either way, it's a good place to stop. So Either way, I win. Modular shoes. So that I could have LEDs in all of my shoes. I like it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. On that note, that that's a good future technology. All right. Mm-hmm. Sometime in the next three years, I'm hoping to see modular shoes. Yes. But mm-hmm. all right. it's a good bridge because the modular is a theme to a lot of technology that's coming out right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. Like the, the thing that I'm looking forward to, and it's already kind of a thing, but I'm looking forward to being a big thing in the future is the internet of things. And it's, that to me is very mod- like the modular idea of having your... Having all of your equipment talk to other equipment and having information traveling from like your light switches and your, I don't know what else, your like garage door opener and your oven and your fridge, like everything, instead of having one central, like the the old idea of the wired home was you had a big supercomputer, you had like a central brain that was controlling everything, had wires running to everything. And, uh, and now that's not really the future. The future is to have a little brain inside your fridge and a little brain inside yep. your everything. Mm-hmm. And then it all just talks to each other. The term now is there's a chip in it. Yeah. Sort of like there's an app for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, chips are so cheap now. There's companies that speci- like specifically make low-cost, small, little chips that can talk to other little chips. And they yeah. can go with anything. Toasters, the vents on your furnace, all sorts of stuff. Well, yeah. and like now the, like the Raspberry Pi Zero, the one that's like five bucks, yeah. you can have a literal computer running an operating system in anything. Mm-hmm. 
like you, you could wire it into it and you could you could have a microcontroller board and like as you say put a chip in things and and build like arduino systems or whatever but like with the with the zero you could actually have a linux computer in your fridge mm-hmm. what is it about this technology that's getting you excited like do you have any super cool ideas like for your personal life um, I don't know. I just, I, I like the ability to gather information about things that I'm doing and to like know, okay, for instance, the thing that really that I found exciting, well, that I would like to see more of is I've started getting, uh, power bills that have usage graphs and I can see what my usage is over the last few months. But, um, last month I had a, a, a spike in my power usage, but I have no idea where that went, like where that power went. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was because I left the freezer open or if I like we just bought a new little like space heater is that space heater using up huge amounts of power so like if I had those that that kind of a monitoring system I could see where the power is going like different devices whether they're using an unusual amount of power yeah Hmm. so that kind of like data mining about my own life I find really really interesting Mm -hmm. and then the ability to then to control those things so to say okay I like I want to know where my power is going. And now that I know where that power is going, I want to be able to programmatically decide, okay, I want this to turn off at this time. Yeah. Like I've already got timers and things all over my house, but they're all individual. None of them talk to each other. Yeah. And uh, like there, you can already get a lot of these things here and there. Like you can get a garage door opener that will tell your phone when you leave your garage door open, mm-hmm. which would actually be a good thing for me because I've done that several times. <laughs> but like, I want that to also not necessarily have to talk to my phone, but I want it to like make a decision on its own and say, Hey, I haven't noticed that anything's going on. I'm going to notify you, but I'm also going to do these other things. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. interesting because what you're describing is very much exactly what the the goal is of a lot of what they're putting together nowadays. For instance, this whole this whole idea of having information on one element of your life or your house and leveraging that information to make decisions for you that you um, either teach a system or the system learns on its own on and then implement those decisions um that's exactly what the the goal is and it's really that generic like there's a whole protocol called ifttt which is if this then that mm-hmm. and basically the idea is that if you have a car that's smart and a phone that's smart and a fridge that's smart and a stove that's smart then basically your phone can say like hey pete just left the office he's on his way home and because uh, i know that his gps is saying he's left the office and his maps is saying he's on his way home and your home can be like oh, okay well if he's going to be home at 5 45 I'll fill up a pot with water and put on the stove because usually he has pasta on Wednesdays and the fridge is telling me there's pasta. So I'll get the pot ready to go and uh, make some pasta sauce. And like basically things can start to predict what you want Mm. before you want it. Yeah. Yeah. And also like there are a lot of like life hack type things that involve tools that can sort of like subtly push you in the direction you want to go. Yeah. yeah. And so I think there's a lot of potential there because I'm not necessarily good at making conscious decisions to improve my life, but I'm okay with like subtly tricking myself into making better life decisions, programming my TV to be like, Hey, go to bed and things like that. (laughs) Why are you still awake? (laughs) Yeah. Or I even, I mean, even like just some intelligence that is looking at trying to push you to go, I don't know, make this going to bed is a good example because there's a lot of tools that you use that could all track your usage cycles and try to sort of adjust those. You say, Mm -hmm. I should be using this kind of thing, using my computer in this window. Yeah. Things like that and allow you to create schedules. Yeah. I love the idea of being like my lights dimming to tell me like now it's time to go to bed. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? And just things like that. Yeah. And like just suddenly even like not even for the first bit, it wouldn't have to be conscious. Just like your lights just sort of get a little bit dimmer and you start to get like, yeah. 
You're a little relaxed. Yeah, not not something that I necessarily notice right away. But or yeah, like or like time. redshifting your screen or something on your on your phone or mm-hmm. on your TV. Yeah. There's already a program like I think it's uh, an app called Lux that'll do that. Flux. Where you'll, Flux. Okay. That'll yeah. It'll it'll change the hue on your screen and it's like you should go to bed kind yeah. of thing. I, I use it. It's pretty great. Yeah. So I've never like filter, but that sounds better. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean like that. All of those things individually are really cool, and I'm what I'm looking forward to is when all those things come together. And I mean, I know there are a lot of people who are kind of scared of that because it means there's a lot of your personal information, a lot of things about you that are flying around. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I'm I've kind of come to terms with the fact that information is being collected already. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's all out there. So at least I want to be able to leverage it to make the decisions that I want in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, use it to your advantage. Because I mean, Google already knows. Like you look at Google now, the cards that come up and it's like, Google knows where I'm going to be most oh, yeah. of the time. I know. So it, I mean, and it's already make, it's already leveraging that information to tell me like, Hey, there's an accident on your normal route home. Mm. It's not a big step from there to then, as you say, like make the decision. Yeah. You yeah. tie, you tie that to nest, you tie that to, uh, whatever else you tie that to mm-hmm. your, your automatic lights, um, things like that. It's really interesting, too, because there are byproducts that you don't expect. I was listening to a really great um, radio show slash podcast called Age of Persuasion from uh, CBC. Mm. And uh, he was talking about how increasingly, as you automate fridges especially, and fridges have the ability to go on the internet to know what you have, what you normally shop for, and where you normally shop, and then go and purchase for you, Mm. all of a sudden, advertisers have to start advertising to appliances, not to people. Because the appliances mm. are making the decisions. Weird. So basically, because the, the, the ideal, and they have technology like this, is that your fridge says like, oh, hey, there's chocolate milk on sale, and you really like chocolate milk. It's, uh, I got a deal for you. I'm going to get it from this location instead of this location because this particular grocery store has a sale on this week. And then the flip side of that is that all of a sudden, like your favorite grocery store is like trying to market their ads in a certain way that they pick up keywords mm. that fridges will look for, or they have certain tricks that they can start to leverage because they know that it's a fridge recommending the food choices and the menu and the uh, reseller choices as opposed to people so mm-hmm. it's no longer emotional it's now just factual oh man so you got like seo but for food yeah uh, that's kind of <laughs> weird it's really weird on on the one hand that's creepy on the other hand that's really cool i know <laughs> like i'm I, torn i i don't know I, I part of me really wants to see for instance one of the things i thought was really cool was um I think it's Amazon that has the button yeah. that you can stick on. Like yeah. you stick it on your washing machine and it's like a tide button and you're like, Oh, I'm almost out of tide. You hit the tide button and it orders you or like more of it on Amazon. Oh, cool. It is connected to a specific product that you use a lot and that you are just going to like one. It's, it's the one click buy, but centralized Physically. to where you use yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that for things that you're going to be buying all the time that you just need to know when they're, you can automate that even more. And, and then you can start doing things like I, I would like to see in a lot of ways, my, the systems that aggregate, aggregate information about me can make better decisions about what will make me happy than I can. When, mm-hmm. when I, like when I stop and think, huh, what do I want to eat tonight? I can never decide. I can never think of that. But if I asked Google based on what I, what I want to eat tonight, <laughs> okay, based Google. on, based on what, what Google knows about eat? me, they could probably make a pretty good guess yeah. and they would probably make a better decision than I would. There's no emotion involved. And yeah. that's where the advertising yeah. comes in again is that you're not making emotional purchasing decisions. You're making rational purchasing decisions. Yeah. And it would make it would make a better decision, something that would make me happy and something that would probably be better for me. Like I could, again, I could build in something that sort of pushes mm-hmm. me in that direction. Yeah. yeah. We moved a little bit away from Internet of Things and a little bit into like 
really targeted advertising. Like, like one more stuff. thing I want to talk about in IoT. Yeah. I went to a conference last year that one of the main um, themes was IoT, Internet mm-hmm. of Things. And uh, their slant was more towards industrial Internet of Things, mm-hmm. which is a side of that whole technology that you never really think of because yeah. home automation is the obvious one. Yeah. But then when you think about like agricultural automation yeah. and industrial automation, where all of a sudden you have um, like automatic tractors and tillers and whatever farm equipment you have yeah. combines and they're basically p- picking up information about the moisture in the fields and th- whether or not they need to irrigate, whether or not they need to harvest, what the mineral content is like, if they need to fertilize, mm. if there's a bug problem, they're scaling what they automati- automatically plant based on the need for that particular type of agriculture. Hmm. Um, if you get to industry, you basically have this type of chip everywhere. So for subways increasingly now, all the switches are automated. All of the information that's being passed around for signaling is automated. So basically, you're making better decisions to get the subway trains going through faster, more efficiently. You can optimize um, all sorts of aspects. You can track all sorts of uptime and all sorts of informatics, like you were saying, and then leverage that to make better decisions about where you're going to invest and where you need to expand. And basically, it's the same process but it's on a much larger scale mm-hmm. but then the dividends you get back are much larger mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's going to be to talk about like personal automation i mean like these same thing for internet of things as a function of our day-to-day usage is the ability to gather information from so many more locations mm-hmm. whether it's going to be making decisions about agriculture making decisions about business taking making decisions about what to eat for dinner. It's the fact that it can pull information from all these places and start to find trends that are really hard to pick up, like days that are where there's like you use your lights more are probably because it's dark outside. And it's because it's it's dark outside because it's cloudy. You maybe feel sad. You want to eat something that makes you as comfort food. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing that you could pick up with, Mm. pick up on with data mining when you gather information from all these like places that you would never see, like you would never see that before because no one's going to mm-hmm. stop and think, oh, okay, people have their lights on more because it's gray. And also there are lots of people who want to eat mac and cheese. Like the, yeah. those, those things yeah. you can bring together, yeah. but only once you have the ability to gather like to data mine, mm-hmm. like people turning on individual lights in their house, it's mm-hmm. going to seem like a ridiculous amount of data, but you could do some really cool analysis on that. Or the more, mm-hmm. the more that you give it decision-making potential, the more you can go and get information that isn't normally readily available. So, for instance, if I'm going to leave for work and uh, I want to make a decision about the route I'm going to take, Mm -hmm. and I have traffic from something like Google Maps, but maybe, maybe not, it's accurate. I could actually have, like, a little drone take off from my house in the morning, go fly my route, tell me what the traffic's like, and report that back to my car or to my phone, and then I know that the information is accurate because I have my own little little traffic chopper. Mm. It's just like flying along, telling me what the traffic's doing. <laughs> the thing that's this is actually one, one thing I've never I, I'm surprised is not a reality yet is we still need sites like Gas Buddy to tell us where we can mm-hmm. get gas for reasonable prices. Mm-hmm. I'm really surprised that more gas stations aren't pushing that data to Google so that Google can say, "You normally drive this route to work. Here's the cheapest gas on your route." Yeah, and you're then low you're, on gas too. Because yeah. then, because then it basically invalidates. Like you don't need the price signs by the side of the road anymore. At the same time, the assumption is, I would hope that eventually the prices are standardized and regulated, so that we but no that, longer that, have to go find cheaper prices because they're the same. But what I'm saying is, like this would you wouldn't need to to mandate that because right now everyone the, the, the whole arbitrage, the whole reason why you can have gas like ten cents a liter cheaper down the street is that they know that not everyone's going to have enough information to compare all of that. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that even systems like GasBuddy re- yeah, rely okay. on people reporting it. Yeah. And if you automate that, then you are forcing like every business, every gas station would be forcing everyone else to give it to to compete on a more level playing field. You can yeah. even tie it into your car and your car can tell you if going to a particular gas station will cost you more money in gas than yeah, actually getting yeah. gas exactly. there. You yeah. can you can look at especially if it's on a route you've already done, it can analyze your fuel yeah. efficiency, you can analyze like if it involves driving uphill a lot of the way. Like yeah. yeah, you could do some really, really, really cool things with that and decide it, again, it would make better decisions than you could make on your own because your gut your gut reaction, you see gas and it's like, oh man, I know there's gas for 20 cents a liter cheaper on the other mm-hmm. side of town. And part of you is like, oh, I'm going to go there just to like spite those gas stations. But then that may not be a good decision and you don't really know. Mm-hmm. I have a cool little totally off topic, off to the side little thing about gas. Okay. I just, it recurred to me and I think it's the coolest thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's an XKCD, um, which is a webcomic. And he's talking about... Um, he's talking about the, the cool things that you get out of, um, units, just doing unit conversions and doing, um, unit analysis. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is the, like the gas mileage. Yeah. yeah. So if you measure your gas mileage in liters per hundred kilometers, you can actually visualize how far you'll be able to drive by imagining a one centimeter square cube of gas no, stretched it's a, well, out. It's a one centimeter square. Square. It's, it's, it's yeah, an area. Of gas stretched out behind your car. So if you take all the gas that's in your gas tank and you make it one centimeter by one centimeter and you stretch it out in a line, the length of that line is the distance you can travel. Approximately for most Approximately. Because gas, mi- gas mileage is, is a measurement of area, like liters per hundred kilometers. Yeah. It's volume over distance gives you area. Oh, weird. So it's a cross-sectional area of the fuel that you're going to use over your entire distance. Yeah. It's, it's a real it's mind-bending really thing to think about. Yeah. That's um, cool. <laughs> Okay. Uh, oh, so hold on. Before we move yeah, on again, we're not moving on. We're staying. Okay. What, no. What? But before we move away from cars, <laughs> did I tell you that? Did I tell you I found a guy who? There's a guy who uh, embraced our uh, our recommendation about tank tracks on cars. What? Oh yeah. I found really? a I found a picture I online. Like, he called us and he's just like, I'm doing it, guys. <laughs> I'm putting tank tracks on my car. No, he he did it before. There was a guy in uh, in Russia who took a, a Lada and put tank tracks on it. I have to find the picture and put it in the show notes because it's fantastic. There was a <laughs> truck on uh, a show I was watching. They had the same thing. Yeah, I think those are actually like commercial though. This was yeah, this yeah. was just this guy like he had he had an old car and a welding kit. And he was like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm gonna do? Make a tank. And did you ever watch did. Junkyard Wars? Yes, that show is fantastic. I'm sure on Junkyard Wars they did that at some point. I'm sure that was pr- that was probably one of the challenges actually. If you're young, go find Junkyard Wars on the internet and watch it, and oh, it'll enrich your good life. Show. It'll make your life. I miss Junkyard better. Wars. And robot wars, actually, pretty much anything that involved making things with the word war in it—that was pretty great. Um, anyway, where were we? Actually, this is probably a good, good segue. segue yeah. into what's into a... war? Into war? <laughs> no, uh, we were talking about looking? cars and gas yeah. and Internet of Things. And what I'm excited about is self-driving cars. Oh, I'm so excited for self-driving cars. Mostly because I'm lazy and my commute's long. Yeah. Abby and I both have really long commutes. Yeah, I'm excited about self-driving cars because it's a precursor to what I really want, which, which is, is teleportation. Oh, okay that that's the new, that's the distant future episode. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna call forward to next week when Pete will talk about teleportation. Mm-hmm. But for now, self-driving cars. Yep. Yeah, I'm excited for. I'm excited to be able to just sit back, and I know that's already kind of a thing, but like I want to be able to sit back and ride in my car without being terrified out of my mind, and also without yeah. having to pay like sixty grand for a. Mm-hmm. Or I don't exactly. Know. I'm excited because part of self-driving cars is not having to own a car, 
which mm-hmm. is also a very cool part of it. Yeah. That was an interesting, I was, there, there was a discussion about the day that, that self-driving cars become, uh, fiscally feasible. The reason to own your car, your own car goes out the window. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause yeah. you don't have to drive it. Yeah. And you so can basically crowdsource it. it. Yeah. yeah. And you, and then again, we're allowing Google to make better decisions. Google can say this guy normally goes here and here yeah. and that can basically network everything. It's Uber, yeah. Uber. Yeah. Uber, Uber. <laughs> what? Um, no, and, I, it's, and then you get into the weird, again, the weird byproducts of that where if you're sitting in your car and this is, they've been talking about this a lot on a, a couple of the podcasts I listen to. If you're sitting in your car for long periods of time now, not driving, mm. then all of a sudden your car becomes a place where you can have entertainment. Yeah. You can have Netflix, you can have mm-hmm. um, get a laptop or some kind of thing where you can do work. Like all of a sudden people are going to want to have branded autonomous cars. So nobody buys the cars. The cars are owned by Netflix uh, and you pay Netflix or a subscription and you get Netflix in their car. The car's just thrown in. They're like, whatever you pay your 10 bucks a month, you get to watch Netflix when you're in our car and you're hmm. and our car takes you to work oh, and they man. fill the car with advertising so they get ad income. Well, they're already kind and of you doing sit that there and you like... watch Netflix in the Netflix car or mm-hmm. you watch Fox in the Fox car or you watch CBC in the CBC car. Yeah, it's an, it's an extension of what they're already doing in taxis where you get into a taxi and they got a TV screen yeah. and it's like it's giving you ads. And this is happening. There's a company in the States um, that just started releasing some of their platform for building autonomous vehicles. And the majority of their billions of dollars in funding it was from a Chinese Netflix Hmm. They gave him like a billion dollars to make autonomous cars. Wow. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, it's, I think it's fair, the fair matter, fair, fair. I have to, I have, I'll look it up. Yeah. That'll also be in the show notes. I, it, it was an, an interesting, an interesting thought. Uh, I have lots of thoughts while sitting in traffic and an interesting thought, um, yesterday where I was, I was using Google to, uh, to navigate Google maps and it was giving me directions. And I was wondering if Google makes decisions based on like it makes decisions based on where it thinks traffic is going to be. So it's actually Google is load balancing our roads. It's mm-hmm. going and saying there's usually congestion here. So I'm going to route people who normally go through there this other way. Mm. And so it's actually making more efficient use of the existing road space. Yeah. Yeah. And Maximizing so, the infrastructure. Yeah. And so there, there'll probably become a point uh, at some point in the future where everything is is being controlled by systems that know where traffic's going to be and so the only things that will cause trouble will be those jerks who still want to drive cars on their own because <laughs> nobody knows where they're going to be or what they're going to do everyone yeah. else is going to have this well controlled what's this going to do for like traffic lights and and custom thing like all the things that we're accustomed to rather you don't need you don't need signs you don't need traffic you lights you don't need any of that yeah you don't need seatbelts you don't need airbags. You don't need, like, well, that was nothing they were talking about. Like, basically, if you have good enough autonomous vehicles, I guess that's, that's, you the no longer need thing. safety features because they can decelerate in a safe yeah, way. Yeah, because they won't hit things. So you don't need crumple zones. You don't need seatbelts. You don't need airbags. You don't need all that stuff that they build to make people inside cars safe. That is the distant future, though. That's, yeah. that's because no, because, because, because cars no, aren't at that until, until you, right you can't now. get to that point until you get rid of not autonomous cars completely. Yes, absolutely. There, there it, has, it, it is the be. future where autonomous cars Oops. are, are it are all you can gaff. Yeah. Actually, one of the things I'm excited about with autonomous cars is, and I'm going to possibly anger some people out there with this is the death of the 18 wheeler. Because you won't need there, there won't be any good reason to move. Have these big trucks that move a whole bunch of stuff around because you can. It'll be more efficient yeah. to put them into smaller vehicles that are going exactly where they need to go. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Like the whole, the whole advantage of the big trucking industry is you're trying to move. So you pay one driver. Yeah. You'll have, you'll have big autonomous, like you'll have trains that'll take you things or planes, whatever, take things, big distances. And then once they get there, they get off of the train or plane, they get into a little truck that takes it exactly where it needs to go. Yeah. Is it still more efficient to have a single engine transmission wheel system though, than multiple? Only if everything in the truck is going to the same place. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, which okay. is not, which is, I mean, Usually it's probably, the yeah. there will certainly still be big trucks, yeah. but they won't need to be nearly as prevalent. Cause right now the, the advantage being you have one driver that goes a bunch of places in one shot, never has to go back, only has to go back to the warehouse mm-hmm. once in a while. Or you have a big thing that only fits in an even bigger truck mm-hmm. and you have all this wasted space inside because you're just carrying one big thing Yeah, mm-hmm. and you, it only fits in long trucks that happen to be tall. Yeah. Whereas if you have, again, modular bodies. You just make a body that's the size of the thing you want to transport. Yeah. Well, and you have a whole bunch of things. Like you decided something's going to go somewhere. You can set it up so that you're transporting something in one direction and then it goes and picks something up nearby and takes it somewhere else. It's basically the yeah. Amazon robots, but with cars. Yeah. I think that like that'll make it much more efficient. the Amazon robots into cars. And you just stack the goods on top and they go to the different, like, oh. Like the car, the, <laughs> the car gets somewhere and then just like opens up and a whole bunch of Amazon robots fly out. <laughs> It looks like some sort of some sort of uh, biblical apocalypse. The car explodes and Star Wars, but sure. (laughs) I'm just picturing like an 18 wheeler and then like a little corner piece popping off and being like, "Well, I have to go this way now, guys." (laughs) Peace. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that would actually be pretty cool. It could work though. I mean, the the other the advantage also there being that. Once you have everything controlled by the same central um, intelligence, then you also don't have a need for the constantly varying speed limits. Yeah. Like, because everything, Mm. everything knows how fast everything else is going to be going. Yeah. So like high, like on the highway, you, your speed limit right now is limited by your reaction time of your driver. Whereas once everything's moving at the same speed and you have nothing stationary in the road, then there's no, the the upper limit for how fast you can go is the curvature of the road, not yeah. like because you don't have to worry about human reaction time. Yeah. Except I just realized that there are still people that walk. I was thinking, but like not, if you're like in the neighborhood, bikes. you're on not highways going. and ride bikes. Yeah, not on highways. No, but on, on side streets, there's kids yeah. running out. You still the need stoplights so people can cross in a designated spot. Like yeah. Basically, stoplights become crosswalks. Yeah. And because you need less space around vehicles because they're not likely to have so much. A, erratic behavior you make the lanes smaller then you get larger bike lanes yeah mm-hmm. well and and you probably have better segregation between vehicles and like autonomous vehicles and other vehicles yeah but i mean even the space that they can take up is much tighter because they're not going to swerve in weird ways or drift off and look at their phone and text while they're driving and yeah they're mm-hmm. going to go where they're going to go yeah no, actually, like you're talking about things that are exciting about driving, I, I, about autonomous driving. Is I think I'm looking forward to just the ability to like close my eyes. Yeah. Because sometimes I'll be driving and I'll just be like, man, I wish I could just not be doing that. like be doing anything but this, even just closing my eyes and not paying attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is obviously the worst thing you could do while driving. But that, at that point, you let something else pay attention to all these things with you. And the sharing the road with a bicycle is not necessarily as big a challenge. I, I think where you, where you'll lose a lot of the limitations is in places like highways. Cause then you're not, it's, it's all vehicles that are all autonomous and they're all getting from point A to point B really fast. All of the highways become really fast expressways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you're still going to need lights. You're still going to need intersections, but even that when you're in a stoplight, you spend a lot of your time waiting for the cars in front of you to start moving. Yeah. 
Whereas once everything's autonomous, the light turns green every car that is currently stopped that accelerates at the same speed. Yeah. So even if you're 30 cars back, you're still, yeah, exactly. it's as if you're at the front of the line. Yeah. yeah. I think about that every time I'm waiting at a stoplight. Mm-hmm. If everybody just went the same speed at the same time, yeah, we would we wouldn't need to sit here. Yeah, because you get that you get the slinky effect that you don't yeah. really want. Yeah, yeah. Or on on the like on the expressway when you get the like the inchworm. Yeah, exactly. Where you, everyone, everyone speeds up and then everyone slows down and everyone speeds up. Yeah. And if everyone just sort of picked a speed somewhere in the middle, yeah. even that would be better. There's a MythBusters on that. Yeah. Just like our little tag that we put on episodes. <laughs> <laughs> references Mythbusters. References Top Gear. References XKCD. <laughs> all right, we've checked all the boxes. Good. So we were talking with the first segment, and our plan was to talk about what technology has made this potential future possible. Yeah. Yeah. So the first, the Internet of Things, it was just cheap. It was cheap, cheap chips and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Chips cheap that parts. can talk to each other that go in everything. Yeah. And also IPv6. That was one of the things too. What like, is IPv6? Okay, so Simon? you know you know your IP, you know an, an internet protocol. You have an IP number for everything. Yes, and it's so, usually one nine two dot one six eight dot zero dot something. Yeah, well, that's like on your internal network. But then you've well, also you got an you got an external IP, obviously. Yeah, but people don't normally know that. That's true, unless you've got a DNS or something. Anyway, but you've got an IP. <laughs> Let's explain the acronym <laughs> with more acronyms. <laughs> you don't. People out there, you don't need to know what a DNS is. What you do, IP is the number by which you find a thing on the internet. Everything on the internet has an IP, and that's how data gets around. It's basically your address on the internet. And IPv4 is made up of four numbers between 0 and 255. And uh, so you have 255 to the power of four possible numbers that you could have for things. And that is going to run out and is a currently running out and so ipv6 is a much larger number i can't remember how big a number right now but it is significantly larger than ipv4 and what it'll mean is that we'll be able to have every single person will be able to have, able to have like hundreds of devices that are all connected to the internet and mm-hmm. we won't run out of addresses so that is another thing that had to come around in order for like the internet mm-hmm. of things as yeah. we're imagining it to be a thing yeah and also will be necessary for things like self-driving cars because all of them things are going to talk to, yeah they'll need to talk yeah. to each other over the internet and that will require addresses for every single car and every single thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you won't need a license plate you will have your ip for your car That'd be awesome. Cool. Oh, and then you could message other people because you just put their IPv6 number on the back of their car. So and QR code. Yeah, QR code. You take a picture of it and you'd be like, <laughs> take a picture of it and you could send them a message. Oh, oh it's going to turn all the roads. Into Our cars like are going to talk to each other and we won't. It'll be like social media <laughs> for cars, like advertising for fridges. Yeah. Could Tinder take advantage? Oh, you're just driving along and be like, hmm, I wonder if she's single. And then you could ask the internet. <laughs> Oh, that's so terrible. That's a terrible idea. Let's not do that. Yeah, no, we're going to stop talking about it. <laughs> what makes self-driving cars possible today? Um, part of it has to do with small, high-performance computing. So, I mean, cars have hundreds of computers, mm-hmm. but they're generally very low-capacity, small, embedded computers that don't really have a lot of capability other than, like, make door go open, they make do window up, down. Yeah. yeah, They've got very specific functions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so a lot of the self-driving cars has been, I mean, it's the same as everything else. It's cheaper technology. So it's cheaper sensors and cheaper high-performance computing so that you have the ability to have more of this technology in a smaller size 
for a cheaper price. And, and I, I mean, there are algorithms and things like that that people have developed, like dynamic programming and stuff like that, that make it possible to have the intelligence behind it. But that well, comes with computing as well. Mm-hmm. There have also been advances in things like image processing, like the ability yeah. to do line following and yeah. like lane, even just on like regular cars, you'll get um, like lane. Uh, what's it called? There, lane it, assist or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It'll warn you when you start to drift and things but like that. But even that, like you, if that only runs on a server, cause it's doing image processing, there's no point. It needs to be able to run on a small computer that you can cheaply buy and fit in your car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that, yeah, you're, you're getting to the point now where you can do that kind of processing on the kind of computer that can fit in a car and not be obtrusive or yeah. use absurd amounts of power. I mean, yeah. I had the weirdest experience like recently with a friend of the show, Safwan, who was driving down the highway in his dad's pretty new SUV. And he took his hands off the steering wheel, picked up his phone, and was looking at something. And it was going 100 kilometers an hour. That's terrifying. And it was braking. It was maintaining the speed in front. It was maintaining the lane. And every now and then, if it got a little bit confused, the light would kind of flash on. And it'd be like, hey, could you uh, steer for a sec? I need some assistance. <laughs> you probably shouldn't have told him by, called him out by name, though. I think that's still technically illegal using your phone, even if you're not the one operating the car. It's not illegal as long as your hand is on the steering wheel, I believe. Yeah, but you said he took his oh. hands off the steering wheel. Yeah, well, it was just for a second. I helped him. It's fine. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's also illegal. Um, it didn't and happen. Safwan goes to jail. <laughs> he doesn't live here anymore. It's fine. <laughs> He's fled the country. Um, but yeah, um, it, it's, a, it's the first time that happens to you. It is the weirdest experience to yeah. be either in a car or driving a car. You take your feet off the pedals. You take your hands off the steering wheel and you just sit there. Even cruise control is a little weird sometimes. Yeah. Like when you forget that it's yeah. on and you're decelerating and all of a sudden it takes over and it starts yeah. and you're like, whoa, I forgot that was there. It's, it's, it's a bizarre, bizarre thing. My final thought is they have cars, like this is coming. Like there are cars that they were just talking about recently that now have been tested to self-drive at 130 kilometers an hour. Mm-hmm. So the cars are already better drivers than us. Yeah. I could drive 130 kilometers an hour, but I'm not sure I would trust myself at that speed. But bicycles... At that speed, that's the future. Autonomous bicycles at 130 kilometers an hour. Why bicycles? I don't know. Talk to Victor. Oh, you want them to be autonomous, but still you inside is the power plant? You don't have to steer, but you just have to pedal as hard as you can until you get to work? (laughs) That sounds comfortable and fun. Especially after watching the videos of like the space he was in. Yeah. yeah. So basically, it's get into this box and we will torture you Line for half an hour and then you'll be in and work. exert all of your energy <laughs> and then you'll get to work. By the Actually, way, this is a shout out to episode 10, maybe? I don't know. It was the how do you engineer the impossible. Go to our website yeah. and look it up and enjoy. It's great. It's a good one. Actually, you could sell gym memberships for that. Instead, yeah, of, going, exactly. instead of going to the gym, you go and you get on your super re-incumbent bike and it just happens to also drive you to work. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. and you don't have to watch the stupid little screen on the bicycle that is a shot of France. You just sit on the bike and you look out the window and you pedal. Actually, that would be kind of cool. Even you don't have if, to learn to ride a bike. Kids can just pedal without having to learn how to ride and balance and turn and stuff. I don't know, but that's that's losing out on like a key part of childhood. Falling yeah. off your bike is like I a guess thing so. you gotta do. Well, also, it's important to learn how to balance. And, that's fair because I don't, and I'm but bad. I'm, I'm saying it's not necessarily a bad idea if you were like you're talking about things, cars being. Um, run by companies you could start a gym 
in which you have a car and inside that car is an exercise machine. That was immediately you, what I thought And of. you have to keep exercising like, in order no to excuse. get to where you want to go. <laughs> I need to do crunches. And then when you, st- when you stop exercising, the car pulls over and is like, are you going to, are you getting out? Because yeah, if doing? not, you better get back to exercising. <laughs> and Otherwise that, we're done here. And that ties back into the like, okay, and this is subtly forcing me to do exercise. Yeah. It's not really subtly though. You can't get to work unless yeah. you exercise. No, it's, it's force. It's forcing you to make good choices. Yeah. All right. All right. So there was one thing I mentioned that um, tweaked something in my head. So I was talking about how when you sit on bicycles in some gyms, you have that screen in front of you that's like, let's pretend you're in the vineyards of France. Mm. What I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. is VR, virtual Ooh. reality. Ooh. Entirely virtual reality, not not augmented reality? Uh, let's go with both, alternate yeah. reality. <laughs> All right. I, I, well, I mean, you could augment reality or you could augment it all the way past so there's no regular reality left. I'm looking for alternative realities, dude. <laughs> um, so, um, basically, uh, the, the idea is that you put on some kind of, I was thinking about this recently because I was trying to figure out, because there's a lot of talk about VR in the news now because of all the technology that's coming out right now from Oculus and Samsung and other manufacturers mm-hmm. where they're trying to sort of put their get their foot in the door with the first technology that really shows off a potent application of this type of system yeah. where you put on a big bulky headset, you have little wavy controls in your hands and you can be in a game mm. surrounded by people with sound and you can move your hands and it knows where your hands are and you can do things with their hands and it knows what your hands are doing and mm. you're yeah. there, you're in that environment. So um, Apple theoretically might be thinking about this type of technology as well because Apple thinks about everything and they've got billions of dollars to blow on stuff. Yeah. If there's something people will pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for, Apple's going to try and make it. Yeah, but also yep. part of this came from Apple for the first time is projected to not have a gross, disgusting increase in iPhone sales. Mm. And so they're trying to think, what's their next iPhone? Right. Like they make billions of dollars on iPhones, but they're not going to forever. Eventually, people, all the people with iPhones will have iPhones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it'll plateau at least because they'll just be buying new ones. Mm. So what's their next big thing? And a lot of people were saying VR. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to think, okay, well, ultimately, when the technology is at its peak, what is the phone of the future? If I don't have a phone in my pocket or I don't want to carry something around like that, what is what is the best scenario for me that I can think of for the experience that I want with a phone? Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of it's VR based. Mm -hmm. I want to just be able to I don't because I was thinking, okay, well, do you want to talk to it? I don't want to walk down the street talking to myself. It's weird. People look at you funny. And so yeah. you're like, okay, well, do I want to, I don't know, like have a weird sub vocalization or something like what is the ideal telephone looking at data experience? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times nowadays, part of that comes with the fact that smartphones are the computing platform. Mm-hmm. It's like tablets theoretically were the future, but ma- we'll really. see. Yeah. yeah. And laptops kind of are becoming tablets because they're just nicer to be able to touch and interact with. And mm-hmm. so over all of that, what they're finding is that phones are really what people use now. Right. Yeah. And so there's that capability, too, where you need to not just have voice communication, but you need to be able to have it as a computer, your main thing for doing work mm-hmm. and for doing play. Hmm. With VR, if you have that ability to just kind of sit down and say a word or do some kind of activation and it just broadcasts an infinitely large screen in front of your face where you can watch TV like you're in a movie theater or you can do work like you're in your office or you can talk to your friends as if they're sitting next to you, that's that's awesome. Yeah. I, I got to say, as an extension of that, this is going to tie into the future future like episode but i think where that'll get really cool is when we get way better at haptics 
Yeah. Because, I mean, virtual reality is cool, and the ability to, like, have a big screen or look around and, and virtually experience an environment is cool. But until you can interact with that environment in a meaningful way, yeah. it still feels, like, thin. Like, it's, it feels like yeah. a veneer. Yeah, it's all air. Which is which is why, the, like, the augmented reality I like, because it's cool, because you can, you can present information about things that are physically in space. Mm-hmm. And you can put information on a thing that you manipulate. And then you can look at how you're manipulating the thing. But then you can use things which are not computers as input devices and con- like manipulators for computers. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're looking through an augmented reality interface and you have I, I don't know you have a cube and and then your augmented reality can put information on all sides of the cube and it can track your hands and it can do all the things about yeah. figuring out what you're doing with it. And so that I think until we can get to the point where you have haptic suits and you're floating in like a tank full of I don't know gel so that you can do like full body experiences. Mm-hmm. Now here's a different idea. Um, I've been watching an anime a lot recently called Sword Art Online. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't pronounce that well. Sword, Sword Art Online. Yeah. SAO. Mm-hmm. And it takes place in the not so distant future. Okay. And it's basically revolving around the circumstances that people get into when virtual reality in its ultimate form is real. And people play games all the time where they, they feel, they touch, they smell, they interact, they eat. They're in the environment. They call mm-hmm. it like a deep dive. Right. And in the show, that's accomplished through interfacing directly to your neural pathways. So okay. there's a, there you basically have a screen over your face with right. headphones. Mm-hmm. And then somehow, I think they're using lasers or something. I don't remember what the fake technology was, but somehow it, interface, it interfaces directly with your nervous system. Mm-hmm. So you feel, you touch, you taste, you interact, you die, which is part of the show. Mm. because everything is done through your your nervous system right directly weird that's scary as soon as you get as soon as you get anything interacting directly with your neural system have you read there's a book called feed no Mm -hmm. all right it's a i think it's a ya novel but anyway it's it, it is like in it's a dystopian novel about the future about where people have these like computer built into their brains and they basically like offload so like they they surf the internet in their brains all the time but it also means that like the human brain like is diminished by an equal (laughs) amount and so it's 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 really kind of dark it's a really good book but that that just introduced that concept with with proper safeties and not proper technology you don't need to have your body interpret a fake environment you just tell your body the environment that it's in that's true and it's just like, oh, okay, I'm sitting on the beach. Yeah. I, I feel beach. I feel hot. I feel like I'm sitting on sand. And it's just you're faking your senses into mm-hmm. thinking that. Yeah. But that, again, we're in the distant future. Let's get back to the near future. Yeah, sorry. Near future. Okay. Near future. What are you excited about? I'm excited about the potential for things that are more immediate, like I don't need a TV. Right. Because I can put something over my face that's an infinitely large TV. Mm-hmm. Or I don't need to, for instance, with some of the stuff we do, mm be in a very particular situation for educational means in front of a very particular piece of equipment right? or a very particular um, teacher or a very particular, uh, I don't know, like lecture hall where I'm talking to other people because I can make that fake really easily. Mm -hmm. Like right now I could be in front of uh, a car that Mm -hmm. I want to learn how to change the oil. I want to be in front of an expert at Stanford who's going to teach me about ballistic missiles. Mm -hmm. That's a weird idea. Um, <laughs> what are you planning there, Pete? <laughs> Ballistic car oil changes. Um, so, this they, is not a rocket surgery. <laughs> um, but that's like that, yeah. that you can do now. Mm-hmm. And that's something that once people have the ability to cheaply leverage, again, it's another potential where there's a huge return on what it could do for you. Mm-hmm. 
I think it is. Yeah, there's a lot of potential to change the way we interact with information, interact with intera- like um, interfaces. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I'm hesitant to make um, predictions about where it's going to go in the next few years because, I mean, even what we thought was going to be the future a few years ago. Like everyone thought when Google Glass came out that everyone was going to have glasses with screens built into them yeah. by now. And they haven't hasn't taken off nearly as much. No. And so, I mean, I, I, I'm sure there's someone out there who has a good idea of where this technology is going, but I would guess that anything we could imagine right now will be slightly off the mark at yeah. best. Mm-hmm. But for instance, autonomous cars, do you need a car if you can work at home as if you're at work because you have a fake desk with a fake computer and a fake interaction with people? Mm-hmm. Like, does, do you need to be somewhere? Yeah. If you've got our little, our augmented reality tool we talked about in the episode, the UX episode. Yeah. Where you don't, like, you can meet with people in a virtual boardroom and see everybody. And that exists. At CES this year, Oculus was showing off a demo where you'd stand across the room from somebody. Mm -hmm. And it was an avatar of you, and you're standing there, and they're standing there, and they're talking to you about stuff, and you're in a room with someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and and telepresence and things like that that you'd get with, it's not really virtual, but it's... um, like you, you've you're in another space virtually. Yeah. So then you don't have to drive to work. And then if you don't have to drive to work, then I don't know. You don't have to buy a TV. You don't have to do all the things that you do to entertain yourself or to get your job done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it that that does verge onto the um like the question of at that point like why do you have a lot of things that we take for granted? Yeah. It's going to be a re- really big overhaul in the way we imagine how Air the world travel. works. Do yeah. I have to go and visit my auntie in Winnipeg? When yeah. I can just sit with her on a fake couch. Yeah. yeah. There, there will be, a, I imagine there will be an interesting um, divide that will come up between people who actually go places and actually do things and people who don't really care enough. They're just going to be like, mm, mm. I yeah. could, go, I could go to the Taj Mahal, but I could also virtually go to the Taj Mahal. And, that, and they and do that now in classrooms already. There yeah. are classrooms right now that are using VR to show people the Taj Mahal. Yeah. And there, there are people, I'm sure this is sacrilege to somebody, but I cannot imagine why you would go to the Louvre. Like yeah. you can look at you can look at high resolution images taken of everything that's on the walls there and get a better look at it than you would ever get in person. I mean, you mm-hmm. do get back into the same debate we had when Phil was on the episode. Another shall callback to Yay. seven. I don't know where we were talking about how there is an atmospheric tactile experience that you don't get right now with VR. Yeah. Where if you want to go to the Louvre, you have sound, you have smell, you have atmosphere, you have people. There's a susurrus of voices, and you have like that. <laughs> you have that word. whole like atmosphere. Yeah. Same like going to a pub. Like I'm not going to sit at home and drink beer wearing a VR headset that makes me feel like I'm at a bar. Okay. Yeah. That, <laughs> there's, there's an atmosphere that's there I'm that just you picture you, you alone in your kitchen, <laughs> <laughs> watching fake sports, <laughs> laughing watching with people. Sports. <laughs> yeah, it's not you. I'm sorry. Watching esports because he can. He, it's his bar. He can put whatever he wants. That's on. true. <laughs> they broadcast. Um, it wasn't the Super Bowl. Oh, it, the one of the Democratic debates this year on VR. Mm. You could get your, your VR gear or something that's a Samsung thing. Mm-hmm. You put your phone in it, yeah. and you were sitting in the third row of the debate. Huh. Hmm. I can't – it doesn't appeal to me, but no, yeah, that's but, pretty like, cool. But, but sports is the obvious next step. Yeah, yeah. You pay true. enough money for on-demand you get football, like, yeah. and you're sitting in the – I don't know, sidelines, whatever <laughs> the places the where you sport want things where, with the people. Where, wherever you want to sit on a football field <laughs> on top of the field goal. I don't know what watch, <laughs> watching him run into the end zone and score a three pointer. You are the football. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, actually, no, I want, I, I want one of those, uh, you know, the crazy, the, the cameras that are on cables that go over like yeah. the air cams, the sky cams. I want to have control of that with a virtual, like you oh, get a 3d man. picture so you could like look from anywhere in space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you get no clip on except for you're watching football and the coolest thing is that this sort of thing is happening now like the stuff that we talked about none of this is like theoretical no this, it's all, this it's exists. all stuff that's, it's, it's it's logical extensions yeah. of existing yeah. technology there were design projects two years ago that uh some people some engineers that we work with went to see at uh where university of waterloo where you went yeah and uh they'd set up a system where you were on a bike like a mountain bike on the back you had electronically controlled trainer that would adjust the resistance of the back wheel Mm. on the front they had shocks attached to like a shock system like a hydraulic system Mm -hmm. and you were wearing vr and you had a fan and you put on the vr headset and you started to pedal Mm. and you're on a dirt track in a forest and the wind is blowing in your face and the front shocks are bouncing up and down and the resistance on the back wheel is changing as you go up and down hills oh my hmm. goodness. and you're there. That sounds awesome. I I'd try still that. fall off that and injure myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that'd be even more hilarious from the outside. Cause you're just watching someone like waving back and forth and all of a sudden they just like keel over off yeah. of the bike. All right. I think that's probably a, a, a good place to wrap up. Don't you think? Would that be falling down? Sure. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, with, I'm into it with a cheery usual. vision of the future, which is technology gets better, but we continue to be bad at sports. And I'm still a bad human. So Simon, hit me with a fun and factual facty fact. All right, it's Simon's fun fact of the week. So uh, you reminded me of the, with your virtual pub, your virtual bar. Uh, did you know that there were no restaurants before 1765? <laughs> what? Yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> Um, so the first restaurant, as as we know it, w- w- opened in 1765. Everything before that was either like a tavern, which was mostly selling beer, and they might have like one kind of food you could get. Like I don't know if they made a roast, you got a piece of the roast or whatever. Yeah. Or they had cafes, or they had like street vendors that would sell you food. But there were no, there was no such thing as like a restaurant. And then there was a guy named Boulanger who opened a company where he sold soup, and it was supposed to, it was a place you went to eat. And the soup was supposed to be healthy for you. It was restorative or restaurant. And, uh, <laughs> and so that, this was, it was the beginning of a plate of, of the idea of you'd go somewhere just to have something to eat. Otherwise, it was, there was food, but you were there to drink. Or there was food, but you were there because it was an inn. And so this was the, the beginning of a revolution in food service. And, uh, and this name stuck, although most people didn't call it a restaurant until half a century later. Huh. They were known as like vittling houses or like a specifically you go to a place that was like an oyster house or a steakhouse and it'd be like the international house of pancakes it wouldn't be a restaurant but yeah uh, up, that was the first actual restaurant was in the 1700s i just That's like the cool. fact that he was called boulanger but sold soup yeah <laughs> it's like i am the baker here is your soup yeah <laughs> yeah ironically not actually serving bread yep cool so that's where restaurants come from now i'm hungry yay let's go get something to eat all right before we do we need to tell people how they can get into this yes yeah let's do that everything slash how do you eng yep facebook twitter pinterest yep i was listening to a podcast the other day and they were like we have pinterest right and they're like yeah like (laughs) what the hell do you do with pinterest They're like, they have, a, they have 1.3 million followers on Pinterest. And they're like, I don't know what the hell to do. With, I don't know what we're doing. Like, what, if somebody knows how to work Pinterest to our advantage with our 1.3 million followers, oh let us know. Goodness. I feel like there's got to be a way for them to make money off of that, but I have no idea what it is. Yep. Like uh, us. Please rate us on iTunes. Yep. We have like one rating and it's sad. <laughs> Not a sad rating, but it's sad that we have one. Yeah. Give us a rating. Drop us a line. Give us a review. And uh, if you got any questions, thing, comments, things like that, get in touch with us. If you or your you. friends or family are engineers, 
let us know. Maybe we'd like to interview you and you can share your insights on yeah. the world mm. with us. Yeah. We are always looking for people who are interested in telling us about their daily, daily yeah. lives. Feedback yeah. at how do you dot engineer. No, feedback at how do you. Yeah. Yeah, feedback I was right. At how do you dot engineer. Yes. yes. Okay, cool. That is our email. All right. This was How Do You Engineer, brought to you by what was left of my beer. What is that noise? It's the furnace. Uh-oh. It just kicked in. Okay, let's finish up.